0: This sermon was recorded on July 15, 2007. From the sermon, it sounds like Brennan and I were at an awesome youth event in North Carolina called Youth 2007. Little Maymay has always been this way. She's always felt so deeply for those around her, and she doesn't even have to say a lot for people to recognize that she has the love of God in her. One of my favorite quotes is by St. Francis of Assisi, and it says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. So that is my challenge as many of you start a new week of school and go into this fall, that you may go out into the world and share the love of God in all that you do. Our lives are to be a witness to the life that we have lived in Christ, that everything we are is a witness for others to see the Christ in us. So have we truly truly made sure that we are living out the faith that we want others to believe in? Last night, our neighborhood has a block party, which they have once a year, and we gather at the very end of our circled neighborhood, and there we eat and we fellowship and we enjoy time together. New neighbors have come and some have gone. Some have passed away since the year before, but we all gather there at the end and Last night we went, and, and we sat, and I, believe it or not, was very quiet most of the evening. And I just sat there, and I listened to the conversations that were going on, and, and just so you'll be proud, I said no to the pina coladas, and to the beer, and to the wine. They didn't offer any dancing, or I would have gone on with it. And I just sat there very quiet until it had been about almost three hours. And I turned around to Linda. And believe it or not, we had had an evening that we were wanting to just watch a movie and eat m and popcorn and just relax. And it was getting later. So I turned to Linda and I said, You know, if we're going to do the movie and I'm going to get my sermon done, we got to go. And she said, Well, then tell them. So I stood up and I said, This has been a great evening, but I need to go work on my sermon. And a guy sitting behind me that had been doing most of the talking all evening turned to one of our neighbors and said, that guy's a preacher? (laughs) And everyone heard him and he said, well, I would have never known. I would have never known. The passage that Cheryl read is so rich and it reminds us how true the statements are and that we must follow what God is telling us. For the Scriptures tells us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives us riches to all those who shall ask Him of. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, but how shall they ask to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? That is what the Scriptures are talking about when they say how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace with God and bring glad tidings of good news. In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching God's good news. Now you may hear this passage and you automatically think, well, all it's doing is affirming the preachers and reminding them that they have a great task to do. And then many times that is what that passage is used to do, to remind we preachers we're called to go out in the world and preach the gospel. In hell or high water, you're going to hear a message one way or another. But this passage is reminding us that we are all called, that we are to go out and to give witness to the amazing testimony of God in our life, that each one here is accountable for that. So when you stand before St. Peter And he says, okay, confess your sins and tell me where you have given witness, what will be your response? Well, I didn't actually, but sort of. Well, not really according to the definition of this. Or will it be, St. Peter, have you not heard? Have others not come through and reminded you that because of our lives, they came to know the Christ? Because of your life, someone came to know the Christ. What an amazing testimony that is for you to remember that it is because of what you do and what you say and the witness that you give that others will come to know the Christ. So if that is true, then what is your message? Is your message one of hope? Is it one of joy? Is it one of amazing witness to the eternity that you know is promised to you? What is the witness that you are sharing. We have been so blessed every evening with getting phone calls from Youth 2007. And I do have to keep talking about it, for one, because my girls are there and I'm excited. But for two, my youth group is there. And my youth minister is there, as well as several wonderful adults. And they are so on fire for what's happened this week. Now, I got permission for this, just for, you know, Brendan calls last night and she reminded mom that it was an amazing evening. And Brian and I were talking down the hall. She said that it was so amazing. She's, you guys know, Brenda May is one that if you cut off her arm, she'd just say, oh. Now, if it was Taylor, I would go, ah! somebody help me. She said, you know, mom, I cried tonight. And Linda said, well, sweetheart, that's all right. And she said, oh, it wasn't because I was sad. It was because everyone else was crying. And she said, I didn't want them to feel bad. So I cried tonight, Mom. And Linda said, it's good to feel what others are feeling. And she said, I did. We were reminded that we are to feel one another's pain and joy. That in a moment, like I'm sure those youth are experiencing, it's all right for us to shed a tear of joy and a tear of sadness for others that are going through the struggles they are, and to embrace them with our emotion and with our joy is a witness that we feel how dare we live in a society where we don't show our feelings now come on i don't mean blubbering idiots every day but i mean to show our feelings for the world around us for that youth group that, then taylor got on the phone and she said we had the most amazing night that following the worship our church got together with several others from oklahoma and we just started talking about all the things god had done in our life she said dad i committed my life again To Christ. And I said, sweetheart, that's beautiful. And she goes, you know, God has something planned for me. And I said, sweetheart, he's showing you that. And she said, we might be careful. I might end up being a preacher. And I wanted to say, sweetheart, you already are. (laughs) That these amazing witnesses that they have been blessed with experiencing this week will change their lives, but will change our lives. Because these youth will come back and they will want to tell what's gone on and how dare we not be willing to hear and to feel and to listen to the witness of faith that they have for us and for us to follow their lead because their lead is unadulterated, it's pure, it's filled with passion, and it's ready and ripe. And some of ours has become a little hard and dry and a little frustrated that we need to look and see what it is that they are leading us toward, and if we can call it what it is, if it is Christ-led and Christ-called, then we should follow their lead because they have a testimony to share. But we can't just put the church of the future on the back of the youth of today because we still have a responsibility. The story of Emmaus is a rich story. And the reason I think of this is, you know, most of my processes go through everything that's happening in the week, and sometimes I just work on the sermon at the last minute. But this week has been an amazing week. John Brazell has gone to Emmaus. And you guys know the amazing witness that John is living out through his life at, at, I'd say midlife, but if he was midlife, he'd be 120 when he died. But at his point in his life when he just woke up, I love that one. I'm going through a midlife crisis. How old are you? I'm 60. Well, my gosh, you and Moses. But uh, John... John has an amazing witness of his life and he's so excited for what God is calling him to do at this, he might say, his twilight years. And he's gone to Emmaus this week and Cheryl had a lot to do with helping him to get there and he could not wait to go. And as I was going, I read through the Emmaus Scripture, so I'm not following the lectionary this week because as I was reading it, it went along with my theme of witnessing because Jesus comes upon the disciples after his death. And there he asked them to proclaim their witness. Now, up till that point, Jesus had been the witness. Amen? I mean, he wasn't requiring the disciples to do much, but but to follow his lead, to learn from him, to see what it was he was showing them to do so they might do it as well. Up till that point, he was the witness. Up till the point of his own crucifixion, he was showing what it was they were to be willing to do. They were to serve and they were to heal. They were to stand in the gap between separation of anger and pain and suffering of the world. They were to bring about the lost and the lonely. They were to pull in the people on the byways. He did everything He wanted them to do. He did everything He asked them to do because He said that when I am not with you, I send you the Spirit to be with you, and He will show you how to do what it is I've done for you. Anybody hear that message? Christ has done that for us. He is telling us what it is we need to be doing. Guys, it's all right to blame me when you don't do it, to say, well, I would have done that, but my preacher didn't show me how to do that. Or he never preached about that. Or I would have done that, but I never saw him do it. And that's all right, because guess what? I'm going to be just like Bill standing in heaven, and St. Peter's going to say, oh, you're Pastor Mark. But that would be between me and him. But you have been called too. And it will be between you and Him. You have been called and you have been given everything you need. You've been given the Word of God and you've been given amazing worship experiences. You've been given Bible study. You've been given great teachers. You've been given wonderful people from the past to the present to show you. And now I'm saying that we've got to be what the Scriptures are telling us to be. Willing to stand up and stand out for the Gospel of Jesus Christ When I first started working out back after college, it was out at Hinton. And I'd started running, and I realized sometimes you wouldn't believe, even running out on the country roads, people from the community would come find you. And they'd roll down their window, and as you're jogging, they'd say, I know you're in the middle of your exercise, but I just needed to ask you, did you get permission for them? So I realized I needed to get away from the community, even to work out. So Linda said, join the Y. And for my birthday that year, they gave me a membership. So I started driving over to Weatherford, it was about 20 miles away, and I started driving over to the Y every day just to get to relax, to physically work out, and mentally work out, and just to get away from cell phones and office calls, and I would go there about four days a week, sometimes five, and there I would get my workout, and I'd usually spend about 20 to 30 minutes on some aerobic exercise, I'd lift weights, I'd usually not talk to anybody. I've told you all that before. When I work out, don't talk to me, okay? For one, I can't breathe if I'm talking. And and for two, I really just want to chill out. I just don't want to be someone to anybody. I just want to focus. And so that's what I would do there. And then I'd usually go sit 10 minutes in the sauna and then shower and head on back to, to Hinton. This one day I'd done my workout, done a good 30-minute aerobic workout. I'd lifted weights for about 20 minutes, and I was feeling good about myself. And so I went into the sauna, and I walked in the sauna. And, and there, guys, we're going to reveal a little more than some of you may want to know. But anyway, in the sauna, normally I think it's a nice thing if you wrap up in a towel and you, you sit in the sauna. Here was this young man covered in tattoos, stark naked as a jaybird, sitting right when you came in the door, you know, and you want to go... Excuse me, excuse me. I couldn't get up behind him. I couldn't get around him. There he was. And you know, I don't talk to people in this, honest. So I just kept my towel tight and just, <sighs> and made my way around him. It was only into about eight minutes before he turned around and said, it's a little hot in here, isn't it? I was say, duh, it's supposed to be. And I said, well, especially hot up here. He goes, well, that's where I started 20 minutes ago oh my gosh, he's been in here 30 minutes. He's got to be willing to leave pretty soon. He began to visit. <laughs> I just thought, you know, why? I'm not here to counsel. I'm not here to advise. I'm just here to sweat. He started talking about his life journey. And every once in a while, he would stand up and he'd say, you know how rough it is? <laughs> I just want to go. I kept most of my responses to, uh-huh, uh uh-huh, yeah, no, yeah. When all of a sudden, into 22 minutes, now, do you all get that? That's 12 minutes past my staying time. Almost 40 minutes into his, that I thought he would already be gone, he turned to me and he said, oh, I've done all the talking. What do you do? I thought, oh my gosh. For one, we don't have to wear a collar. I didn't have any jewelry to profess my faith. I wanted to just be incognito. An overweight, middle-aged man, half-naked in the sauna, but I didn't think he wanted that as my description. So I said, I'm a preacher. I shouldn't have said that. 22 minutes into my sauna stay, his message was standing there as naked as a jaber with his hand on his hips, if you're a preacher, I'll give you 10 minutes to tell me why God loves me. That's when the heat is on. All I was thinking, I'm going to die in this sauna and this naked college student's going to have to go out and say, all I asked him to do was tell me about God and the man killed over. After another 20 plus minutes, we left the sauna with him saying, I'll think about it. We shouldn't have to wait till the heat is turned up for us to understand that we have been called. That we are given opportunities every day to live the gospel of Jesus Christ out by what we do and say. That people are dying to hear the word and unless we preach it and teach it and speak it, they will not. People are wanting to hear about God's love and grace. We shouldn't have to get pressure cooked to profess it. We shouldn't sit at the end of a neighborhood and someone say, You're a preacher? We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it reminds us that if we are ashamed, he will be ashamed of us. That our life should be a constant message and witness to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what my neighborhood said as I left that night. Last night, as we walked away, they said, We're going to be in your sermon, aren't we? <laughs> the message is amazing. It is so amazing that we should not be able to keep it pinned up inside our soul. That we should be so excited about telling it. And that is what Jesus attempted to remind the disciples on the road to Emmaus, is tell me about this man and what he's done in your life. All he wanted to know were they ready to do what he had taught them to do. And they he he hawed around it they weren't even able till he started drawing out the message were they able to understand what they were to do guys that is what we must do daily that we must not wait till a worship service to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ we must hear it on the baseball field we must hear it at tinker air force base we must hear it at the grocery store Everywhere we go, we must be about hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what will be so amazing is when we hear it and we turn and guess who we see? Each other proclaiming that message. When we hear one another speaking the wonderful message of Jesus Christ, which is filled with hope and with joy. Is your message not great? Is it not? The wonderful things He's done in your life, look around. That should be what people should hear They need to hear that. They don't need to hear how bad life is or how rough you've had it or you just can't get rid of that pain in your back. They need to hear about the amazing things that God is doing in your life. That's what Jesus asked the disciples to profess. Tell me about this man. That's all you have to do is tell each other about the wonderful man, Jesus Christ, and where it is He has touched your life and where it is He's changing your life. Because we are in a process of becoming. From the youngest to the oldest here, you are still in a process if you are willing to let yourself be. It doesn't mean you haven't been through and you won't go through. It means that we are all in the process of becoming. God is changing us into who He needs us to be if we're willing to let Him. What will you say when you stand before St. Peter and he says... Tell me, where have you professed my faith? We have the great opportunity in this life to live out the gospel that will be alive in the life to come. I'd read this story from a friend of mine that was a youth minister that talked about May Win, which was an Anabaptist uh, sister, that she had gone about proclaiming the gospel in the 1500s, that she was so profound about her faith and her witness that it became a problem to the the leaders of that time to the point that they called her in on trial and they asked her to do two simple things. Stop and recant. Stop professing your faith and recant everything you have said. And she said, I can't. They in a kind but abrupt way told her, if you do not, you will be tried for treason that you must stop professing about this man Christ and you must tell everyone around that, that it's not true. She said, I won't. They tried her. They tried her for treason and found her guilty and decided that her guilt would be lived out by death. That she would be hung to death. But one judge on that trial added one more thing to it. He said, if you will not recant what you have said, then may your tongue be screwed to your mouth so that you can no longer profess even to the gallows. May your tongue be screwed down to your mouth so that you may no longer say one more word about Jesus Christ. And there on that day, they placed a screw in her tongue and stopped her from professing the gospel. She was no longer able to say anything. Her sons were brought to the gallows that day. And there she was hung as they watched her die. As they watched her die, one of her sons passed out. She was no longer able to say anything, but she refused a mask over her head because she continued to smile through the whole hanging. After they hung her, They burned her body as a testimony. After the fire was out, after all had moved away, the boys remained there to watch their mother, slowly but surely, as the ashes blew away. The youngest of her two sons went up to the ashes, and there he slowly but surely pulled out the screw. Until the day he died, he held on to that screw because he never wanted to forget that you cannot stop the gospel. We cannot allow the gospel to be stopped. Sitting in a sauna has nothing compared to what many have gone through to continue to preach and teach in his name. The Great Commission reminds each of us that that is our commitment That that is what we are committing to doing, Cheryl, is that everything we do will be a statement of our faith in Jesus Christ. And that each of you have the living opportunity while you breathe to profess the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love the statement. If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would it all be circumstantial? From what you say this point on, will be your testimony. Let us pray. Lord God, forgive me when I am shy. Forgive me when I am selfish. Forgive me when I pull back from being who you called me to be just out of weariness, out of frustration, out of thinking no one wants to hear one more time how great you are. Lord God, keep giving me the examples of the others in my life that are proud of the Gospel and they say it and they sing it and they live it and they pray it, Lord, each and every day as a reminder to all of us to always know how great is our God. Lord God, may the people of Wickline never be found guilty, Lord, of hiding the Gospel under our our lampshade. But may the light shine forth the Gospel of Jesus Christ in each and every act of ministry. Lord God, thank you, and we love you. Amen.